0: I feel like this word new is probably on many people's lips this morning. Maybe you greeted somebody in the foyer who you'd not seen in a week or so, and you said, hey, happy new year. Maybe you've got some new year's resolutions written down somewhere, and just that, that thought of things new is in the air right now, isn't it? Maybe your new year's resolutions this year are tied around fitness or health. Maybe it's a family goal to spend more time together or do some more things together. Maybe it's a financial resolution to try and set some money aside, but... I wonder if any of you have taken some time uh, as we enter 2019 to look at the spiritual area of your life, to look at the role that Jesus has in your life, and have asked yourself that question, what, what role will Jesus have in my life in 2019? I'm hoping during this series that we can look together at maybe some New Year's resolutions, some new things that we want to see happen in the spiritual area of our lives. Maybe you've been coming for a while now and you're new to the the idea of church and Jesus. I I don't know, maybe you didn't grow up going to church, but you enjoy coming here. You're kind of checking it out. You're still not really sure uh, what you fully believe. You're just really kind of dipping your toe in the water at the moment. Maybe a good spiritual goal this year, something new would be to say, "I, I want to go deeper into the water. I want to discover more about Jesus this year. I wanna uh, open myself up a little bit and, and just be, uh, be willing to trust Jesus to give him more room to move in my life. Or maybe you're here this morning and you were already a follower of Jesus. You've, you've made that decision to follow him. It could have been for many years now that you've walked alongside of him and I wonder when the last time was that you said, I wanna see something new happen in my life. I wanna see Jesus stretch me in a new way. Maybe 2019 is the year to allow him uh, to do something new in your life, Maybe there's an area of your life you know he's kind of been tugging at your heart, and, and you know deep down that as a follower of Jesus, this is an area that, that you really need to give to him or allow him to come into, and maybe that's the new thing that you'll allow God to do. That's the new thing that'll take place spiritually in your life this year. But whatever it may be, for the next four weeks, we're going to look through this series through the lens of a a really interesting portion of the Bible, a really interesting chapter of history in the Bible, something that took place a thousand years before Jesus even showed up, a thousand years before the birth of Jesus, over a thousand years. We're going to learn about this, this group of people, the Israelites, They had this this special relationship with God. He had this commitment, covenant relationship with this this group of people, the Israelites. And actually, if you read the entire Old Testament, Genesis, all the way through to the end of the Old Testament, you can can read the story, the journey of this um, partnership, this relationship that God had with the Israelites until the New Testament when Jesus came along. And we're going to focus in on one particular area that you can see in Exodus, It's around about the time that the Israelites are in Egypt and they're actually in slavery. They've been slaves now for a couple of hundred years. And according to Exodus, we're going to learn that they were crying out to God to deliver them and rescue them. They knew that God had given them this promise that one day they would have a land of their own. And there comes this time where a man by the name of Moses is used by God to rescue the Israelites... And to take them to this place called Canaan, this promised land, this this land that God had prepared for the Israelite people. And what we're going to look at over these next four weeks is just that small portion of time between the time they actually arrived in the promised land, the time they arrived in their new home in Canaan, and the time they left Israel, that portion of time just in the middle. Because some interesting things happened in that period of time, it's a 40-year period, but we're going to learn that God needed to do some new things in this group of people, some new things to get them from here to here. But I think you're going to find that the fascinating thing is that even though these were people that lived thousands of years ago, this is an event that took place a long time ago, we're actually going to see some similarities in struggles they had and obstacles they had to overcome in our own lives. We're going to recognize some of ourselves in the story of these Israelite people. So let's jump right back there. We'll we'll start out here in this um, portion of time in the the book in the Old Testament. It's called Exodus. And we're going to learn that as these these Jewish people, they were taken out of slavery in Egypt, and the place that they were going to was only actually a 250-mile journey. So even though there was a lot of them, there was a huge amount, a million-plus people taking this journey together, this journey could have been done in as few as 11 days. It could have just taken 11 days for them to get from one place to the other. If there had been more stops, I mean, maybe a month, but it should not have taken 40 years. This journey should never have taken 40 years, but you know why it did? We're going to learn over the next four weeks that you can take the Israelites out of Egypt, but it's a lot harder to take the Egypt out of the Israelites. You can take the Israelites out of Egypt, but we're going to find out that it was a bit harder to take the Egypt out of the Israelites. That so They brought with them some of the baggage that they'd, they'd inherited from years of slavery and years of bondage, and, and God had to do some work in their lives because they weren't ready to go into this brand new place that he had prepared for them. Because physically, they were out, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually, there were still a lot of things that God wants to do in the Israelite people. I think we're going to discover that he wants to do some of those things in us as well. He wants to do a new thing in our lives. So what were some of the challenges that the Israelites faced? We're going to look at the first ones this morning. The first one takes place, and we can read about it here in Exodus 15, verses 20 through 24. It says, Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water, When they came to the oasis of Mara, the water was too bitter to drink, so they called the place Mara, which means bitter. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink, they demanded. So the question we have to ask ourselves this morning, okay, you've got this group of people. They've been in captivity and slavery for hundreds of years. Surely it's gonna take a long time before they find something to, to complain about. I mean, they've come out of misery. Surely it's gonna be a long time before they start to complain. And we find out today, three days. Three days outside of Egypt, and already they're starting to complain to Moses. Now, sometimes I'll be home in the evening, and uh, after being at work, and I'll case and I'll be chatting, I'll say, Hey, what's the plans for dinner tonight? Because I'm starving. She'll say, Dave you're not starving, okay? You had lunch three hours ago, all right? Since then, you've probably had a cup of tea and a cookie, and she's correct. I had had a cup of tea and a cookie. You're not starving. There are some people in the world right now who are starving, okay? Third world countries. You might be hungry, but you're not starving. I am. I'm starving. I keep trying to explain to her. I think the Israelites, they've been going now for three days. Maybe their rations are getting low. They've not come across any fresh water yet. And they start to panic. They start to wonder, what are we going to do? Are we going to die out here? And they start to complain because at the very core, they don't trust God. Just 72 hours earlier, you can read the story of how Moses led the Israelites through the Red Sea. God parted the waters to rescue them. They've seen God do this incredible miracle and within 72 hours, they're already questioning, God, are we going to die out here? Only a short amount of time and already they're complaining and not trusting God. So God Reveals himself to them. Exodus 15, verse 25 Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. God turns this bitter water to good water. He provided for them. So maybe this was just a bump in the road for the Israelites. Maybe it was just a minor setback. Maybe they were ready to fully trust God and not complain, and there was just like a little mishap here, but otherwise they're all good. Well, unfortunately, no. The very next chapter, Exodus 16, it says this. They arrived there on the fifteenth day of the second month. They've only been going here for about five, six weeks. One month after leaving the land of Egypt, there too the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you've brought us into this wilderness to starve to death. They're complaining. They don't trust God. They don't believe that he can provide for them. So God performs another miracle. Verse four, Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. Now, I wish I had time this morning to tell you more about the way that God did this. But basically, for the next 40 years, he provided miraculously for them something called manna and quail. So every day they had this kind of bread and meat that would just show up every day. And at the end of the day, it would disappear. And just miraculously, according to the book of Exodus, God provided for the Israelites. It describes what manna is in verse 31. It says, The Israelites called the food manna. It was white like coriander seed, and it tasted like honey wafers. So I like to imagine that it probably was like Hawaiian bread, okay? I'm thinking that's what they got, because if I've got to eat the same bread for 40 years, it better be Hawaiian bread, because that's the only bread that I'm going to eat every day for a long period of time, because it is the king of breads, basically. I've I got to be honest, I don't like spinach, uh, it's just green, okay? So, um, But if I go to a party and there's spinach dip with Hawaiian bread, I'm going to eat a lot of spinach that night. <laughs> Because spinach dip really is just an excuse to eat as much Hawaiian bread as possible. It's just wonderful. So I picture these Israelites being given this this manna, this Hawaiian bread, this quail. God's providing for them. So now you think they'd realize, okay, yeah, God, we can trust you. We should stop complaining because you're obviously going to provide for us. One chapter later. Chapter 17, verse 2. So once more, they've moved on to the next area. Once more, the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me? Why are you testing the Lord? Once again, Moses has this staff. He taps the rock and fresh water comes pouring out. God, another miracle provides for the Israelites. In three short chapters, three successive periods there, we see this pattern developing, don't we? We see God performing a miracle, but unfortunately, the miracle always comes after the complaining from the Israelites. Showing that you can take the Israelites out of Egypt, but sometimes you can't take the Egypt out of the Israelites. I think they they needed a new mindset, and God knew that. God knew that he couldn't just take him from a place of slavery to this brand new land because physically he took him out, but mentally, emotionally, there was a mindset in the Israelites that needed to change. We can see this, this pattern, can't we, starting to, to increase here in the lives of the Israelites. They were complainers who refused to trust God. They complained too much and they trusted too little. And I wonder with that thought in mind this morning... If sat here, we need to ask ourselves, do I need a new mindset for 2019? Do I need a new mindset? Do I find myself looking at situations in my life and maybe having a hard time trusting God and believing that he will come through for me? Do I find myself complaining a bit at times because things aren't going the way I thought they should go? God isn't coming through at the speed I thought he should come through at. Isn't it amazing to think that 3,000 plus years ago this was happening to the Israelites and yet still some of us can probably look at those people and think, you know what? I see a little bit of that in me because I think Jesus wants to change these two areas in our lives as well. He wants to see us complain less, trust more because we live in a great day and age, don't we? Have you ever thought about this? What a great day it is to be alive. Do you remember, like, years ago, if you wanted to complain, sometimes it was hard to find someone to complain to. You had to find a neighbor, maybe someone you worked with, you know, who just kind of wants to listen to you. Maybe if you're on a flight and you got the aisle seat and the person next to you in the window seat can't get out, then you can complain to them because they're not going anywhere. But nowadays, we've got Facebook and we've got Twitter and Instagram And we can let hundreds of people all in one go know just how miserable we are. It's awesome, isn't it? We can just in one tweet tell loads of people all our problems. And it's sad but true, isn't it? We can kind of go through our social media sometimes and and just see those people. who It just seems post after post, comment after comment. It's always complaining. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be that person. Do you know what I did this week just to prove this point? I went onto Twitter just this week. um, I searched the hashtag first world problems, all right? This is one page. I could have kept scrolling, okay? This was just the most recent comments. I came across these five, okay? Number one was from Ryan. He said, my HOA, my homeowners association dues are due, but they don't have online pay, so I have to find a stamp and write a physical check to pay. Ah, Ryan. Isn't life awful? <laughs> How rough you've got it, raccoon ninja! That moment when you order something online somewhere other than Amazon and they have five-day shipping and you are genuinely annoyed because <laughs> it's going to take five days to get here instead of Prime two days. What about Elise? She's a frequent flyer, it looks like. She says, the fact that United still flies five plus hour flights with planes that don't have an outlet in every row is seriously ridiculous. Are we in the year 2008? Oh man, Elise, I'm sorry. (laughs) Now, you do realise, don't you, Elise, that you are flying through the air at hundreds of miles an hour in a steel tube to a destination that would have taken you hours to drive and you're going to get there in 30 minutes, but they don't have an outlet in every seat, so this is rubbish. This next one, I have YouTube, Netflix, Hulu, and HBO Go, and I cannot find anything I want to watch. <laughs> oh, the misery. <laughs> I liked this last one because it had a picture. Uh, Okay, so I loved the sand timer I got from IKEA UK until my curiosity decided to check the time it measured. Now I just think it's okay. Because apparently the time that his sand timer measured was 1 minute and 43 seconds, which was way too random of a time. Like, give me a 1 minute timer or a 2 minute timer. Don't give me a 1 minute 43 second timer. So much to complain about. But it's sad, isn't it? Because I bet right now some of you are thinking about someone in your life. Someone who just always seems to find the thorn instead of the rose. Always seems to find something to be frustrated about. And I just wonder, is, if, is as followers of Jesus, if that isn't an area of our life that God is maybe putting his finger on this year and saying, I want to do something new in your life this year. As a follower of Jesus, you've got so much to celebrate. You shouldn't be known as somebody who complains a lot. You should be known as somebody who just celebrates what God does. But the problem is, I think we find ourselves defaulting to complain most sometimes because the opposite is to trust God, and that's difficult to do. That's where the Israelites went wrong, is that instead of trusting God, they complained to Moses. And I think God wants to get us to a place where we just trust Him in every area of our lives. You know, one of the coolest things I'm excited about over these next four weeks in this series is that we're going to look at this um, portion of history with these Israelites working their way through the wilderness. We're going to learn a lot, um, some new things that God wants to do in different areas of their lives. This morning we're looking at the mindset that he wants to change. But, But the cool thing is everything we look at in the story of the Israelites in the wilderness, we're going to find mirrored in the New Testament when Jesus showed up. We're going to discover that Jesus came to fulfill some promises that we saw begin 2,000, 1,000 years before he was born in the lives of these Israelites. Jesus sat with his disciples one day, according to John, who was one of the disciples themselves, and and wrote an account of the life of Jesus. And he's he's reminding us of a conversation that the disciples had with Jesus. In John chapter 6, and listen to what he said in verses 32 through 35. After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, my father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life, the Hawaiian bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You see, the Israelites, they couldn't wrap their heads around this idea of trusting God, that he would provide all the food, all the bread, all the water that they needed. Jesus came along and said, hey, it's about trusting. Trust me, I will provide in your lives more than just what you eat and drink, but but for every area of your life. If you'll trust me, I will provide for you. I'll provide peace and comfort and security. I'll provide financially. I'll provide the needs in your home. But it's difficult because it means I've got to just trust God. I've got to believe that his timing is right. And I wonder if this year God's wanting to to kind of shake our mindset a little bit, challenge us in that mindset of, of, of trusting him a little bit more. Because maybe you're here this morning and he's delivered you from your own bondage and slavery, just like he did the Israelites. And you're now in a place of freedom as a follower of Jesus. But you find that your mindset didn't quite catch up, that you're still catching some of those, those old thoughts that you used to battle with before you discovered Jesus. And this year he's wanting to do something new in you, causing you to trust more and to complain less. It's time for a new mindset. You know, the cool thing is when I sit and prepare these messages, I, I believe everything I say to be true. As I'm sharing this, I believe it's what um, Jesus wants to, to learn through the Scriptures. But very often as I'm preparing it, God's talking to me. There are lessons I'm learning through this. I'm learning a lot right now, especially through this building situation about trusting God. I shared with some of you earlier, or well, I shared with all of you, if some of you were here, um, earlier in the year when we were doing the campaign and we were getting close to that Pledge Sunday. And I remember one day sitting down with a pen and paper doing the math. I was like, well, if this many people give this much. And I could never make the math work. I was like, God, there's no way we can do this. We're never gonna be able to raise the money. God. And one day I just really felt like as I was sitting there, just God really clearly kind of spoke to me and just said, Dave, if you could figure it out, you wouldn't need me. And I realized, ah, yeah. And then God blew my mind where our goal was 700,000. We had over a million dollars pledged. And I still, I can't make that work on paper, but God miraculously did it. So you'd think with that happening just six months ago, I would have learned everything there is to learn about trusting God. And I'd be like, okay, God, thank you. Now I get it. Just six months later, we're coming up close now to the, the building to begin, and now that we're coming down to the wire, we're starting to get the, the hard numbers coming in from the builders and the different areas and what it's going to cost. Some of those numbers have, have crept up a little bit to be a little bit higher than we were anticipating. We're talking to the bank about how much we can afford to borrow. And, and what we're finding is there's going to be a little bit of a gap there between what we can afford and what it's actually going to cost. And, and I'm, I've got that bit of paper out again. <laughs> and I'm doing the math and I'm like, oh God, I don't know how i going to do this. Maybe we can cut some corners here. Or do, you know, so I'm trying to figure this out. And then a couple of weeks ago, here at church, a gentleman who attends Connect, he came up to me and he says, hey, uh," and we've got this mutual friend who doesn't attend Connect. He attends another church in Peoria, but he says, did you uh, ever get a card from my friend? I said, no, I don't think so. He said, oh, he goes, well, just check, he said, because he asked me to ask you, because a few weeks ago, he sent a card, and in it was a little note to you, but it had a check for the building fund. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. And to be honest with you, he was was kind of surprised you hadn't called him because he wrote a really nice note. I said, honestly, I haven't seen it. I'll, I'll check. Maybe it came in and they just deposited it and I never knew about it. So I went to the office the next day and no evidence of any card, couldn't find the check. We checked a few. Sometimes we get mail here at the school. Sometimes we'll get mail at the Connect Center. So we checked all these places, couldn't find it anywhere. So I saw that guy again at the Christmas Eve service. I said, hey, tell our friend that I looked everywhere. I could not find that check. I think it's been lost in the mail. How long ago did he say? He said, said a couple of weeks ago. I said, yeah, I, we definitely haven't had it. I said, give him my number. If he wants to call me, he can, but um, just let him know we haven't found it, and I'll do whatever I need to do if he wants to get us that check before the end of the year. Christmas went by, and then just shortly after Christmas, I get a call from this guy. He's like, hey, how's it going? I was like, good, how's it going with you? And he's, he said, so I hear that my card never made it. I said, I am so sorry. I promise you, if we'd have got it, I'd have called you. <laughs> I would have texted you and have said, thank you very much. So it just never came. I said, where'd you send it? And he, he gave me the post office box. I said, yeah, that's our post office box. I said, we can check again, but uh, we've been checking and we, we haven't found it. And we've talked over the years. We've known each other about 20 years. And, and he knew what we were doing. And he was excited about our new build. And he, and he told me on the phone, he's like, I just, I think what you guys are doing is great. And I just wanted to give a little gift at the end of the year just to, to help you the build. And I said, Thank you so much. I said, Why don't you? He said, I'll send you another check. I said, OK, why don't you send it my home address? I want to make sure it doesn't get lost. I said, I'm out of town right now. But when I get home, I'll get it out of the mailbox and we'll make sure it gets to us. He said, OK. The next day, this is New Year's Eve, I get a text from the office because I'm out of town and it's a picture of his note and his check. One of the staff had been to the post office box and that day it had shown up. I don't know why. It was like two weeks ago he'd sent it and it shows up in the post office box. The picture shows this beautiful note he wrote about how supportive he is of Connect and excited for what we're doing. And there's this picture of this check for $5,000. It doesn't even come to Connect, this guy. I text him back, I show the picture. I was like, hey, first of all, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're amazing. Thank you so much for this gift. You have no idea how much it means to us. Re- it definitely will help. I said, so secondly, when I get home, I'll make sure I find you the check, the second one you sent in the mailbox, and I'll make sure to tear that up. You know, we'll just, we'll just deposit this first one now that we found it. A couple of minutes later, I get a text back. He's like, "Ah, oh, it's great, you found it. He goes, you know what? Deposit the second check as well. I was like, seriously? He goes, yeah, have them both. He goes, you guys are awesome. I think what you're doing is great. So um, we want to invest in what you're doing. So I'm just blown away. I'm texting a few friends telling this story. Isn't this amazing? God's so good. Now we've had this conversation, okay? So he, he, he knows that we've, we found the check, but he's already sent this second check. I get home, I find the envelope case, and I open it. We're so excited. We open the second. The second check's were $10,000. He sent a second check, so $15,000 altogether. I text him back. I was like, first off, you are brilliant. (laughs) Thank you so much. But secondly, I want you to know that God's using you to teach me right now. I said, here's what's going on right now. We've got these building costs. We've got this loan value. You know, I'm getting a little bit nervous. I'm doing the math. I got my pen and paper out. And yet again, God had to remind me through your gift, hey, I got this. If you could figure it out, you wouldn't need me. And I think this is one of just several stories I'm going to get to share with you of just miraculous ways that God's going to provide on this journey that we're on for the next six months. I mean, can you believe it? Because the post office somehow did a lousy job of getting that check to us. We got two checks. It's miraculous. I mean, it just doesn't. Make, if that first check had come on time, he would never have needed to send it again. But just God is just. I think he's just like showing off, saying, i I'm, I'm going to help you in this." Because I think God wants to get the glory. And that's why Thursday and Friday night, before we even swing a hammer, I want to stand in that building and say, God, this is yours. We can't figure out how to do this all in our own strength. And even if we could, we wouldn't want to because we want to be able to tell wonderful stories of the miracles that you did. Because unfortunately, even though it was 3,000 years ago, we are just as bad as the Israelites we start to panic. We start to think, well, what if this? What if that? And, and sometimes we start to complain. But the biggest problem is we don't just trust you. Every day, manna and quail and fresh water, you kept providing and providing providing. And you still want to do the same in our lives today. So God, help us to have a new mindset, a mindset that says we trust you in every area of our lives. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much, and we love that new years bring new resolutions and new um, desire to do things differently and to to improve for over last year and to maybe um, make amends for some things that we just weren't happy about last year, and Father, we can look at physical and financial, and we can look at family goals, but God, spiritually, I pray this year that we would look at our mindsets. That we wouldn't be like the Israelites who you took out of Egypt, but unfortunately you had to to work a lot harder at taking the Egypt out of them. Help us, Lord, to, to get that old mindset out, Lord, and the new mindset in that you are a God who provides, you are a God who loves us so much, and that we can trust you in every area of our lives. No matter what it looks like, we can trust you. So help us, Lord, to have that new mindset this year. In Jesus' name, amen.